Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is uh, Billy Walcher. I'm just, uh, just going to say a few words about the legend that is Tony Davitt. I've been fortunate enough to uh, work under Tony as, as a boxer. He was a coach with the Irish national team when, when I was boxing on many occasions. And then when the high-performance team was set up, Tony was one of the first coaches that worked with a youth and junior team, and I, I got the opportunity to work alongside him. <clears throat> what makes him special is uh, his passion, his love, his desire, and his knowledge of the game of boxing, uh, which is probably second to none in the country. And uh, I'll give you a funny story. In 1988, we had a the pre-Olympics, which were held in Seoul in Korea. And myself, Karen Joyce, uh, Paul Fitzgerald, Roy Nash were on the team. And I'm fighting against Lawrence Zabo, who was a Hungarian, in, in fighting for a medal. And I come back after the first round, and Tony throws me back into the corner, gives me a few slaps in the face, and says, do you like him? You must like him. And... Uh, you know, it frightened the life out of me, but um, I didn't win the fight, but I, I realized after the fight that I got I got more of a hiding in the corner than what I did when I was in the ring. <laughs> so they explained some of Tony. Another piece was, you know, when, when we moved into the stadium first, we, we slept at the room at the back. We had a couple of bunk beds in there and Tony was in the bed. And every so often he'd wake up in the middle of the night and start shadowboxing and then lie back down. And, you know, that happens I get a fright and I'm awake. I'm awake all night. And the next morning we go training and Tony's fresh as a daisy and I'm going around like a zombie because he's, he's up shadowboxing half the night. There are a few of the stories. Tony is a legend. Always will be. Thanks a million. Billy Watch. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Rewind with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. I'm joined today by a man who spent his whole life in Irish boxing. He's described himself as a bit of a John Wayne character in that he shoots from the hip. Another of his students has called him the customato of the sport here. You name an Irish boxer from the last 50 years and he'll have worked the corner at some stage. From Barry McGuigan to Carl Frampton, Michael Carutz to Wayne McCullough or Steve Collins to Andy Lee. At various stages, he's mentored them all. He also guided two of his brothers from boys boxing to elite title level and even the Olympic Games. He was one of the first coaches here to welcome travellers into his club and was one of the first to start coaching female boxers as well. He's been to nine Olympic Games and was honoured by the IABA last year for services to boxing. And in recent years has even dipped his toe into the professional boxing scene as well. Another fighter who knows him for a couple of decades and counting, Kenneth Egan, 
joins me today for a chat with the one and only Tony Davis. Tony, welcome to the show. Yes, that's good to be on it, Helen. You know? It's great to have you. Where, where, where did 50 years go? It, got, it, got, it went so fast. I'm sure they did. But at the same time, a roll call of fighters you've worked with. I only named 1%, I'm sure, of you know, of even the big names that worked with you. And uh, uh, no doubt there's a lot more who kind of came through, came through, bettered themselves, took part, won, lost, and, you know, weren't really heard from in terms of boxing. But at the same time, you had an impact. But the racing ones as well, J- Jason Quigley and uh, Dennis Hogan and, and them boys, you know what I mean? Like, they, they were the racing ones I worked with, you know? Yeah. And... and uh, a few more, the, the younger lads as well. And I worked with a lot of the youths over the years, you know, and schoolboys and all that. Yeah, so an important stage of a fighter's life, like when they start to go away, travelling for Ireland, um, going from being young teenagers, impressionable, big ideas maybe about themselves to into the Ireland setup. Kenneth, is that how you met Tony yourself, first of all? Yeah, like I remember back in the day, it's like, God, 90s, late 90s, I think, uh, getting that little um, jersey for Dublin, fighting for Dublin across the sea there over in England, went to Bedford and Luton and these kind of small small club shows, dinner shows, and Tony was the, was the corner man. Um, I always found Tony to have a wealth of knowledge um, in the corner, you know. Um, he'd be seeing things, he'd be giving you nice little nuggets of what to do in the ring, and he never, you'd never see him really too animated, very relaxed, but very calm. Um, and lo and behold, like looking back now, and even all the names you've read out there, the experience he had before he even met me, you know, goes right back into the 50s and 60s. So, a man with, with so much knowledge about the sport, where when I was 15 and 16, I was only kind of finding my feet. Tony, what do you, re- what do you remember of meeting Kenneth as a, as a young boxer? Kenneth is exactly what he said, like, you know what I mean? He, he went away when he was young lad with me, he went to Luton, or I went to Bedford. We used to go to Bedford every year. I went to bed for every year for 14 years. And I think Kenny was on a couple of them trips with me, you know what I mean? But, uh, and then he got to know Kenny real well. And then I, I walked with him in the Four Nations and the, and the, and um, different qualifiers uh, over the years, you know, when he won the gold medal over in, in Liverpool, I was doing his corner. And down in Sunderland was on that team as well, like, and in the stadium as well, like, when, when he boxed in the, in, in the Four Nations and won the gold medal, you know what I mean? You know, I worked with Kenneth and got to know Kenneth very well, like, you know? Hard work, was he? Oh, no, he was all right. Now, he wasn't hard work. He was such like he got... He was, he, was good, he was a good listener in the corner, you know? That's what I found anyway, you know what I mean? You might have to give him a few little slaps on the side of the jaw but to wake him up, but he, he was a good <laughs> listener, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, they were received well, Ken. I remember, like, even, you know, coming up to the ranks, 15, 16, 17, and Tony was always in the background, even in the National Stadium, the old gun room, before the high performance was set up. We'd meet there on weekends, Saturdays, and we'd do two sessions. And there'd be a lot of sparring going on, and Tony would be right, be in tick in the middle of it. He'd have a few lads up from Drimland that. I remember sparring Martin Sweeney. He was a tough old, light heavyweight, heavyweight, and uh, that was my introduction into the, into the senior level, sparring him down in Drimland as well. But Tony was always on the fringes, floating around, organizing spars and getting lads in for, for training camps. And, you know, he was, no matter, like, the head coaches always changed. You know, they were always different shifting, but Tony was always remained there. He was always a solid figure in the, in the, in the build up to competitions. And even my first world championships in Belfast, 2001, 
Tony was in the thick of it down in Limerick organising the training as well you know and, and um, setting up sparring getting the other teams in England come over David Hay was a part of the team Carl Frotch and he was always organising stuff and, you know driving the bus getting us from A to B you know and that's the type of stuff that's not spoken about it's 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 when you're, you're a lad like that on the ground that's and it's not for anything else but just the love of the sport Kev he absolutely loves boxing and look he's 75 years of age and he's still in the thick of it I was over there last week out in Pascal's gym there watching Eric Spar, and there's Tony hanging out a rope screaming shouting instructions at 75 you know still throwing his knowledge around that's a man that loves the game that's a man that's a, that's a boxing man Hi Ray Moyles here just want to say thank you very much to Tony David for all his help through, throughout my whole career. Um, I, I first met him back in my schoolboy days. Um, he was the national squad trainer and uh, for the Europeans in, in in Hungary. And uh, ever since then, our, our relationship only grew. He was he was very much part of my my world title campaign in two thousand eight in Mexico too. Um, he was. He helped Jimmy Payne and um, Jim Moore and, and, and himself. They were my, my three coaches and trainers. And I ended up becoming world champion with, uh, through their guidance. Um, and then in my professional career then, uh, Tony Abbott, is, he was in Celtic Warrior Gym every day with Becky Collins. And he was his own boxer as well. But if he wasn't telling stories or drinking tea or giving you, um, giving you advice, um, there was something wrong. So, no, he was he was a great man, and he's he's Mr. Irish boxing to me. He's been he's been involved in it, um, my whole career anyway, and I'm sure a lot of other boxers' whole careers as well. But, you know, the name Tony Davis is um is very much very part of Irish boxing, and it I hope it's going to stay that way. Um, I just remember a long time ago. I, I, I'm not going. To, I'm not going to tell you how long ago. I'm not going to tell you how long ago it is now because I don't even tell you my age. Um, we were staying upstairs in the in the National High Performance Unit. Um, there in South Circular Road, uh, we're at squad training, and uh, we're staying upstairs. I think we was part of the junior team anyway, and um. Tony Davitt was staying upstairs as well, and uh, he was actually in a room. So there was, it was like a dormer, uh, a dormitory, and I suppose like an army barracks. You could describe it as. But Tony Davitt was staying in a room himself and Jerry Hussey actually. He was a team psychologist, and uh, Tony Davitt was out this night. And uh, I, I, me being the practical joke. Um, was my sort of speciality training and boxing wasn't wasn't my first love at all. I was I was acting the maggot or but anyways turned out was out at night and I don't know he was gone visit I don't know where he was, but he came back it might have been eleven or twelve or it could have been one in the morning and as we were in the dormitory, he couldn't turn on the lights, he couldn't do anything. So I came up with the idea. I took Tony Abbott's mattress and I hid it and I dressed up as bed again. Um we're on the bed clothes and all that. <laughs> and he jumped in and tapped it. <laughs> and a big scream at 12 o'clock at night to wake up the whole dormitory. That, and he, the first name that came to his head was Mylet. <laughs> he knew it off by heart. Um, yeah, so Tony Dab is a great friend of mine. And uh, I owe him a lot for my, through my whole boxing career. And I just want to thank him very much. And uh, I wish him the best of luck. Cheers, Tony. A boxing man, Tony. 
Yeah, it was like, <laughs> yeah, you can't, when you start, you can't get away from the, from it, you know what I mean? And that's it, like, it's in your blood, like, you know, man, since I started in, 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 in 1966, like, with Town Boxing Club, that's when we started first, like, 1966, and then, then in 1970, we went to Phoenix, you know what I mean? And then from Phoenix to Drimna, from Drimna then to St. Catharines, and then, then the pros then as well. Bring us back to um, when you started off. You, you were a boxer yourself at first. I was. I started off in, you know, in the Julianstown Boxing Club in County Mead, where the parish I live in. You know what I mean? It's the Mullins where I live, but Julianstown is in the same parish. So I started there in 1966 with my two brothers. You know what I mean? And uh, we, we were there. I, I had 20 odd fights, I think. You know, I wasn't a great fighter, but I, I boxed in the seniors and I boxed all over the country in different tournaments. You know what I mean? And I, I had the honour to box in the same show as Mick Dowling a few times, you know. Mm. But uh, the club closed down then in in in, um, in 1970, and that's where we went to Phoenix because we had a bit of a relationship with Phoenix because they used to come down sparring and that. So we, that's where I joined in Phoenix in 1970. And Peter Glennon was there, started there as well, like from a coach. He was, he was a club of, uh, he was club coach with, Port of Dublin with Christy Elliott. So he left and he came with us, you know what I mean? So um that that's when he got to know Peter. Peter was a real uh, he was a real old as, as, as Paul Griffin said last week when Paul was in the club with me as well when he was a young lad. But Peter was a real old Mickey out of Rocky, you know what I mean? He came in with the top coat on him and he, he was a bit little bit contrary sometimes, you know. But uh, we got on great like so that, that's what that's what the started. The first boxer in the club to train was Christy Elliott, like, he was, he was a man then, well, he was 20 years of age, so we started training him, I started training him, I remember running up the Phoenix Park with him when he was going for the Munich Olympics, you know what I mean? So, um, that's where we started, and then it went on, Christy, Christy won a couple of titles, he went to the Olympics and he won another title, and then he went pro, so, myself and Peter were still there, so we started off with young lads and built them up then to win senior titles and European titles. So this is a few words for Tony David. Um, Paul Griffin's my name. Former European uh, gold, bronze medalist, twelve times Irish champion. Um, I started my career, believe it or not, with Tony David in the Phoenix Boxing Club in Park H Street, Dublin. I was seven years of age, and all I can all I can say is good about the man. He was he was an unbelievable trainer, and never met a man in my life that was in it for the boxing for him, for the kids mm-hmm. and for for everybody. Bar himself, um, I, all, I, I wish the man the, the the very very best. He went on to be an absolute brilliant champion, um, trainer. He trained some brilliant fighters: Richie Foster, um, Tony Davy, uh, Tommy Davy, John Phoenix, Noel Griffin, Gary Griffin, Willie Foster, um, myself, um, Jerry Creighton. I can go on. Uh, Keith Keith McFay. Uh, some some great 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 youngsters. Oh, and I always kept in touch with Tony. I spent two weeks in the Olympic Games in Sydney in two thousand. When we had a great time, we went to all the boxing. We had we had some great fun. And I just want to say, give give my bit towards him. Just to say, he's an he's an unbelievable man of boxing. And best of luck, Tony from Paul Griffin. What sort of a boxer was Christy Elliott? Because I've heard so much about him. Boxed him with a Muhammad Ali's cards, didn't he? And he, you know, he he had the ability to yeah. be one of the absolute greats, and he probably still is. Correct. Well, he's he's a RIP now. The lot of mercy on him. You know what I mean? But, but uh, 
he was a fierce hard puncher left too. Now Kenny Egan on the pads with Kenny Egan would break a shoulder with a right hook. With Kenny Egan would break it with a right hook, but Christy Elliott would would do your shoulder with a left hook. You know what I mean? He was he was a real hard puncher with a left hook. Because he bet he boxed Rossman, you know, he boxed Rossman, the world champion, and he done it with a draw for he draw with Rossman, you know. Okay. And plenty other like what was Dublin Dublin in the 70s was a different place to what it is now as well. Like the, the Phoenix Boxing Club, you took in people from all over, and I'd say it was um you met some like hardy little characters as well that really needed to be kept in line. Don't talk to me, don't remind me, right? We took in some <laughs> They were they were hard enough, but they were they, they'd fight for you. You know what I mean? They were good fighters, Jack. Yeah. You know, and especially from Bally Fairmont now, they were real tough from Bally Fairmont. You know what I mean? But even the, the a lot of country lads used to come into me as well, like from where I lived. You know, they were, and they were tough. I had yeah, Gary Faye used to win with me now, and, and now he has his own club, and he's going to open up a new club, and he's going to call it Phoenix. So he he travelled in and out with me every day, and it was. It, it was a fifty-mile round trip for us every day, every four times a week. You know what I mean? Yeah, no bother. But the love of the sport kept you kept you coming. You had a lot of success. You like with um, Phoenix. Your brothers were boxing, uh, Tommy and PJ, and Brendan Dunn, Bernard Dunn's father as well. So you had Olympians galore. You had champions galore. Richie Foster, Mick Holmes. Yes, Mickey, Mickey, Mick Holmes, European silver medalist, Paul Malone, Paul Malone. He was senior champion as well, like you know what I mean. We had and Richie, as you said, Richie Foster, uh, Brendan Dunn, uh, Brendan's uh, father. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, father. He he was there, and who else have we? We had we had we all, and at, at underage level as well, like you know what I mean. We had we had the boys from from Tala as well, the the, the Dillons from Tala, and we had. Um, Whereas we have them all over Dublin, and as you said there earlier on, um, we started we started the travellers right, the Casey's and the McDonough's and the Sweeney's, and as, as Kenny Egan said there, that the Martin Sweeney, because Martin Sweeney and his, his son is still boxing, like you know what I mean. But uh, he he won tough character, as Kenny says, you know. Tony, do you ever do you ever look back at, at all the people that you've worked with all the years through? And kind of pat yourself on the back, this just to give yourself a little bit of a affirmation, that, to, just to show the amount of good work you've done for all these different. You mentioned loads of different names there: the Dylans from Tala, you know, the Sweeney's, all these, and give them an opportunity to, to put put an old vest on and get this into a sport that you know a lot of people wouldn't really be interested in, but give people an opportunity. And the amount of people and families that you kind of you've steered in the right direction. Do you ever look back at the amount of people that you've had a positive influence on and, and said, Jays, I've, I've done all right? Oh, yeah, but uh, I, I do, I do, Kenny, you know what I mean? And see, so we went, I brought them to some great places because they, they used to come down to Phoenix that time because money was scarce. And they come down to Phoenix like yourself and bringing up and see any trips going. So I used to organise trips, you know what I mean? Canaan and Wales and Scotland. And But some of the best trips I organised was to Bahrain, like, you know what I mean? When I went to Bahrain, and then we we went with the only it was the only man that brought a team over to Israel with, with uh, Dennis Hogan and uh, Kieran Bates and 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 uh, Jason Quigley. We went to, we went to Tel Aviv, and the three boys won three gold medals, which was a, a fantastic achievement. You know, Jason Quigley here. 
just want to say Tony David is an absolute legend of the sport of Irish boxing. Anybody that mentions Irish amateur boxing, I'm sure nearly every story has Tony in it somewhere down the line. He's been a, a great friend of mine through the years, helped me along my way through schoolboys, youth, junior, senior level, always there, always giving his insight, always giving his opinions on training, fights, lads that I'm fighting, when I've won, when I was beat, everything on those terms. And I have to say, Tony is a massive legend in the sport of Irish boxing, and it's a pleasure to know him. It's a pleasure to call him my friend, and I wish him all the very best. A message from Dennis Hogan for Tony Davis. I first met Tony up squad training up in Drimna on Saturday mornings. Um, Tony was a great coach. Um, he used a wealth of knowledge, and uh, he was always good to talk to about boxing. Um, I really got the feeling that uh, he lived for boxing and lived to help, help his boxers. Um, I used to go up and train with Jimmy Sweeney and uh, up and Drimna with, with Tony. I've done a few rounds with Sean Turner with him and Sean was his fighter also for a long time. And um, Yeah, it was always good, always great sparring and uh, Tony would go above and beyond to make sure that you, you were warmed up well, you sparred well and, and you had whatever you needed leaving the place. So um, it was always good. Uh, we, we went on a multi-nations trip to Israel under Tony. I'd, Won a gold medal out in Israel and um, and uh, also my last fight as an amateur boxer I fought up in Dublin against the Lithuanian champion and uh, got a good win there. So um, kept in touch with Tony all the time. His brother Mike, uh, his son Michael, bought tables to my fights here in Australia and supported me in a big way earlier on in my career. And um, I had the pleasure of Tony coming over to see my fight over for the middleweight championship there in, in, in Brooklyn. Um, so I just want to say a big thank you to Tony for all he does for boxing uh, and, and for myself in my amateur career and uh, all the best. Thank you. Uh, you. You must have always had like a kind of a bit of a wanderlust or whatever and a, a desire oh, to get, get around the place, yeah. No traveling, yeah, sorry, yeah, no traveling, no. And you'd go up the north during the troubles as well. Yes, I was. I was the first man to go to Derry when the when the, when the troubles were on. I went to Derry and I got on well treated in Derry. I went to I went to um, up to Jerry Story. Jerry was a good friend of mine as well. We went to the Europa. And I remember in the Europa we had it was going back to the troubles, right? And all the boxers were in the dressing room and they were all ready and all shots on them. And the, everyone said, right outside. Bombs care, and they were all down on the street, and, and it was a cold night, like it was in February, and it was cold. They were all on, on the street in their shorts, waiting for the the police and all to, to clear the place to make sure there wasn't a bomb. Yeah. There was no bomb that night, but three weeks later there was a bomb. Well, you know, I, I suppose the, the young lads under your care trusted you though, and would go wherever you said it was safe. And was there ever any nervousness about going to these places? Not really, no, not really, no. Not really, no, not, not really. They they were happy to get the out because the Dublin lads, they never were outside the city in the life, like, you know what I mean, them times. You know, they, they didn't even know where Stamullum was. It was 25 miles or 30 miles from Dublin, like. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the best trips, one of the best trips that I was at, the Olympic Council asked me, I don't know if you know about this or not, 
was to go and train the Iraqi team. But training the Iraqi team in 2007, they were getting ready for the uh, Asian Games. So we trained them on the on the on the bonds of Kuwait and 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 uh, Iraq, you know, because that that time the, the the war was raging in in Iraq, you know what I mean? That would must have been a culture shock. But you're used to working in war zones, uh, Dublin back in the seventies, but. Yeah, but it was a culture shop, Kevin. It was a culture shop because every morning at five o'clock, the, you could hear the 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 the, 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 the mass, whatever it was, the Muslims singing at seven or five o'clock in the morning. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't sleep too much, but it was good. Like I got on well with the Iraqi team. Like you know, I was over there for for two weeks, like, training on two and a half weeks, and then then they went to the uh, Asian Games, and two of them got to the quarterfinals of the Asian Games. You know. Brilliant. Any idea, like any idea, if they went on to any further success, or did you keep in touch with anyone from back then? Not really. No, I met I met one of them. He turned pro in, in England, you know, and I met him once, you know. Yeah. But, uh, that was that was it, like you know, what I mean? that, that was that was the point. But uh, no, it was a good experience. Like <laughs> one you wouldn't one you wouldn't want to do again. You know what I mean? No, I'd say. Um... Maybe your family were your family at home concerned because, like you say, it was it was a war zone at the time. Ah, no, no, that's two thousand and seven. Not that long ago, like. mm. it's not too long ago, like. But the Bahrain trip, but the Bahrain trip was was great. Now Kenny Egan wasn't on that trip with me. I was on a lot of trips with him to all the multinational tournaments and the qualifiers and the world championships and all. You know what I mean? But Tony, remember uh, the training camps we had down in Garmanstown? Yes, good, and in, in, in the college, yeah. That's right. Remember, and I remember you coming in every morning, checking weights and everything else. But even back then, you know, did you recognize any talent back then in, in the teams that were, you know, we were all only 14, 15, 16. Did you, oh, yeah, did there was a summer school. Oh, yeah, there was some right. good lads. There were some brilliant lads, including yourself, like, you know. But yourself, you Brian Ferry was there. Remember Brian Ferry? Brian oh, Ferry. yeah, he was strong, very strong. Strong, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cormac O'Conrad, there was a few of us there. Oh, there was a lot of good ones. And uh, Patrick, Patrick Hyland. That's right. Patrick was there as well. And Polly and all that. They were all there. I, I, I ran that for 10 years, like, you know. That's right. But it was great. But all that fell with the wayside then. Different times changed and that, you know. Tony, you were coach for, um, like, a lot of major events, you know, European championships. I think you were the coach when um, Phil Sutcliffe won a bronze medal in West Germany in 1979. Uh, world championships with Kenneth in 2001. Uh, the Olympics have always been a big one for you. You've attended nine Olympic Games, uh, but as a fan only. As a fan, yeah, as a fan. Unfortunately, but uh, but, I, but I, I used to get in. I used to, but the coaches knew me. But I used to get into the villages and all, but to get me a pass into the village. You know what I mean? Yeah. With Francis Barrett and all them boys, you know. I got, I got, I got passes in all right, but I never officiated. But I officiated at every other level, juveniles, schoolboys up to up to elite. You know, yeah. As, as a, I brought Billy Walsh. I went away with Billy Walsh on his one of his first trips to the first European Championships in Brussels, where Billy won the gold medal. And young, young, uh, young, uh, young, what do you call it from the north? Won the won the guys from the north won the silver. And we we got the best club. Like that was the first time the EU championships were held, and Kenny would remember the EU championships because he boxed in them a few times. There's a regular medals too. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. EU championships. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were, they were going for a long time. Yeah. 
But the Olympic, yeah, ga- the Olympic Games, Tony, have brought you all over the world, like from Korea to Atlanta to Beijing when Kenneth here won a silver medal. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was all over all Atlanta, Georgia, you know, from from two from set from from Montreal, starting in Montreal, Moscow, Atlanta, London, uh, Brazil, you know, there were and London was one of the best ones, you know. I thought that's the best one I enjoyed, you know. What was so different about that? Maybe Ireland were obviously incredibly successful. It was close to home. What was it in particular? That one, well, that, well, that was, it was, it was because we had so many, we, we, so, we, we you know, usually you go to the Olympics and the Irish lads are gone the first, the first day, you know, I mean, mm. you know, you're ground off, you're nothing to do. But there, there was, there was one, they were boxing every day, like, they were winning, they kept winning. John Joe Nevin, Katie, you know, I mean, they all kept, kept winning. They're brilliant. Yeah. But t- take us back to Beijing when Kenneth here won a silver medal. Great performances throughout the tournament at a final, a close run affair. I I I I was I was I had a good season out with Kenneth, right? I, I thought Kenneth won that fight. And I watched it after. I thought Kenneth won that fight. Like, but you know, you had to you had to nearly knock him out to get a draw in Vietnam, China, like you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true enough. Well, why Tony why Tony uh, given your involvement with boxing over the years, why did you think you didn't get the chance to become the Olympic coach? I, I don't know. I can't answer that, Kevin, tell you the truth, like, you know what I mean? I, I can't. I, I don't know. I got the pre Olympics in, in Korea and, and I got the pre training camp in, in Atlanta, Georgia for three and a half weeks with the Irish team with medical Olympics, you know. And whatever, whatever the reason was, I didn't get picked. And, you know, I thought I was going to go to Atlanta, but it, it, it is what it is, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like some of the most, like, some of the biggest names in Irish boxing in the, in the last number of years, you've got a story to link to every single one of them. I love the story about uh, Barry McGuigan. So you were his last coach uh, as an Irish international and you were in the, you were in the room at Dalyman Park when he was making his uh, debut as well and you had a bit of an intervention then. Yeah, I had surely, yeah. Because I had a bit of a joke that night with Barry, you know. Barry was getting warmed up because Tommy was boxing that night as well in Dalyman, you know. Tommy, my brother. And he, he, Tommy won. But we were in the dressing room and Barry was getting warmed up and he was going ready to go out. And I said to Barry, hold on a minute, Barry, I says. And he says, what, what's wrong? You forgot your vest. I says, put on your vest. And he's, you know, yeah. <laughs> where's my vest? I say, it's only a joke. You're, you're a boxing pro. You know? so. <laughs> Kill the nerves, all right. Yeah. That's all about doing a bit of a joke, you know. Uh, hi, this is Barry McGuigan. Uh, I first met Tony David way back in 1976. I think I'm, I'm right on the date. Uh, where I boxed in the Golden Shamrocks against one of his boxers, uh, a young kid called Anthony Brennan, uh, or Tono Brennan. And uh, it was a semi-final, as I mentioned, and I beat him on points, but it was a very tough fight. And I I remember being really impressed with with not just Brennan, but uh, with Tony himself as as a coach. He later trained Mick Holmes, Richie Foster, and of course, his beloved brother um, PJ Davitt, who died tragically in a road accident some years ago, and I'm sure he's gone on to t- to coach many, many more Irish and international champions. 
Tony always had that professional style. He taught all his boxers to roll their head and punching combinations. And when you were fighting a Phoenix boxer back in the day, you knew you were up against it. It didn't matter to Tony whether it was one of his juvenile boxers, boxers having their first bout or whether he was working the corner of an Irish international overseas. He was equally enthusiastic about both. He's a great guy, great admiration, really decent man, and uh, I've always had the height of respect for him, still have. Uh, continued success, Tony, and uh, all the happiness in the world. God bless you. But, but yeah. I was a member, I always remember Kenny. Kenny was always in great humour in, in the dressing room. Kenny could be telling jokes and everything in the dressing room, like, I know, trying to kill the nerves. Isn't that right, Kenny? Yeah, it was, it was as I always said, and even even Billy Walsh used to say it to me when when I was on form, when I was in the zone, I'd be having the crack fifteen minutes before the fight, you know, telling jokes, bit of slagging, just to kind of subconsciously deflect what was really going on. Obviously, you're nervous, you're, you you know, you're anxious, you're thinking about the fight, what way it's going to go, but but having the jokes and the laughs and the bit of crack that kind of eases the tension and it kind of allows you disconnect from what's really going to happen out there, you know, and just focus on, on the here and the now and having the bit of crack. But when I got my hands wrapped in, I got I zoned in and I kind of started to visualise what was going on. But I, I, I think it's just my personality, Tony. I, I love having the bit of crack and the bit of slagging, you know. And, and I don't, I don't see the, Exactly. Yeah, there's no reason why you should not be yourself when you're in a dressing room getting ready to fight, as mad as it sounds. And I still always had that thought that as soon as I was going out to the ring, I'd say to myself, what the hell am I doing this for? Because you're getting into the ring to fight somebody, you know. I'd always have that thought, but did that leave you once the bell rang and off and off you went? But uh, as, as, as you said there earlier on about training the girls, right? The first girl I ever trained was Sinead Cavanaugh, because like, I wasn't mad on, on training girls, you know. Yeah. But I started training her in Drimna, you know, and, and she, she was all right. She, the first fight was in Dungarvan in 2007 with Katie when the Irish team bought. That was the first time I met her, you know what I mean? And she won, she won, she won five senior titles then for me. And Brilliant. she traveled to China, she traveled to, to all the, the multinational tournaments, all over the Barbados and the, all, all them tournaments, like, you know. But she's never got the look, like, never got the look of the, the look of the Irish, you know. She just always losing on a split decision. She got, she won bronze medal and won the tournaments. Won, won the, I, I can't remember what tournament it was. I think it was in Bulgaria or somewhere, you know. But she was the best like, because there wasn't much boxing from 2007, like starting 2007, really, you know. Yeah, and did you know at the time? Um, so you were at that first international uh, Ireland against Britain, and there was some, you know, you had Sinead Cavanaugh, your fighter on the card, but Christina McMahon was boxing for Ireland, and Katie Taylor as well, and lots of lots of Alana, and Kelly, Har- Kelly Harrington, so Kelly Harrington, yeah, on day one. Did you know that the likes of Kelly Harrington, Katie Taylor had the ability to go on? Or I suppose at the time, everyone's so new and everyone's so fresh. Yeah, well, Kelly was only a young, a young one that time, right? After that, then she was talking to me and all, and she was friends with, with, with Sinead. And she was coming to the dream every Wednesday night to me to do pads with her and, and culture, you know what I mean? So she would, you know. <laughs> and and then, I, then I started training Dennis Holman. He was coming up to me every week. I was trying to get him to be Kenny, you know? But I never succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Kenny, Kenny, what you said to me? What are you trying to for to meet me? You know, I didn't realize you were enemies when I when I put you on the call together. <laughs> yeah, but it's all different characters, you know. In Darren Sunderland, Darren was a great character. But Darren was different. 
any, you know. He couldn't let anybody mm. into the dressing room and Darren was boxing. He'd say to me, you stay at that door. Don't let anybody in. You know, we'd see them afterwards. And he wouldn't let anyone in. They'd go mad. Even the manager. The manager couldn't get in. The manager, I'm the manager. He said, I said, you're not allowed in. You know, that was that was in uh, in Chicago. And you, you were just happy to go along. Once the boxer was happy, you were happy. Is that is that how you regarded it? Or did you try and get people to relax? Or did you try and get people to, no, no, this isn't the way to do it. Here's how you do it. Or were you just happy once the boxer was content? Yeah, but you see, Kevin, you knew the boxer. You got to see, I knew them since they were juveniles, you know what I mean? And I knew their temperaments. I knew what they were. I knew the way Kenny worked because Kenny was always having a bit of a crack before. But then when he was ready to go, as he said, with his bandages on and the gloves are on, they changed then. And Darren Sundram was different. He didn't want no crack. He just, he listened to his music and he didn't want no one interested in disturbing him. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and Jason Quigley was a bit of a crack as well. He was, he was nice and relaxed. You know what? Stevie Collins, Stevie was, you know, I, well, I was with, I, I trained Stevie from 12 to 17 and then he went, went over to Saviors. Yeah. But he won his first national title with me, you know. Yeah, I was going to get on to to next to ask him what Steve Collins was like beginning and, and also Jim Rock. So did you know that Steve had that kind of potential as a 12-year-old or does it, yeah, it a slow started, process? He was one, was, you see, he had something else. He, he had what other kids hadn't. He a shocking big heart. He'd never give up. Shocking big heart. And he trained well, you know what I mean? He shocking big that, and, and I knew there was something there. And other people said, oh, I think you're wasting your time there with him. But no. He, he, every year he's improving and improving and he had a good lot of fights at me and then he won his first title at youth heavyweight. He was only about 10 stone, but he was boxing at about 12 or 13 stone, you know what I mean? Because that was the limit then. You could go over 10 stone, you boxed any, any weight. Oh, great, great days. And Jim Rock as well began with you. Jim Jim was a bit of a teenage tearaway, I'm led to believe, and yeah. you took him under Jim, your wing. Yeah, well, Jim was, Jim was a tearaway, you know, and Jim didn't know where the country was. He was a young lad. He won, he won three national titles on me. From 11 up to 12, 13, 14. Then at 14, he, he changed over. But um, I brought him out here picking potatoes from me on the on the farm. You know what I mean? That's what I brought him out here. But he was good. He picked the potatoes and all. He stayed out here with me for a couple of weeks, you know. And it, it, it hardened him up, like, you know what I mean? It kept him out of trouble for his father. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good training from. Well, <laughs> it's good training, good training, you know. Hi, Jim Rock here. Just a quick message um, regarding Tony David. Tony David trained me from the age of 10 to 14 years of age. Um, I won my first three league titles, Dublin titles, and then my first three All-Ireland titles under Tony David's tutelage. And um, he's a great man. He's devoted his life to boxing. Um, he's one of the long-serving trainers um in the boxing world at the moment and i want to wish him all the best and he's a special friend to me and has done wonders for me throughout my boxing career but but it's like mick holmes i got mick holmes live out with me here for a week or two the time he beat mcwigan you know and, and what was he picking potatoes as well no 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 he wasn't no we're only training mick wouldn't be in the big potatoes rock was hard hardy boy he'd do anything you know um, how, how did you that, that win against McGuigan? How did you orchestrate it? I knew McGuigan. You had to be super fit against McGuigan, right? And the only way you get get young Holmesy Vippen super fit. So we trained twice a day on the beach and trained here every 
in the garage as well, like, and we trained in the club as well. Like, and the only way to beat McGuigan, as I said, was to be super fit and put him on the back foot. So that's what Holmes he done. Like, he put him on the back foot, he was in great shape, and he beat him, you know. One thing I was um, struck by, and when I was just looking over uh, a bit of research before we did this interview, I was chatting to Fran Long, and I think Fran's obviously like a bit of an encyclopedia of Irish boxing, and he's working with you now a bit in St. Catherine's Boxing Club, but he was saying one of the things that was most impressive about you to him was how you're able to put your kind of your club loyalties aside for the greater good sometimes. So Mick Holmes beat Barry McGuigan, but McGuigan was selected ahead of him. Um, and on another occasion, uh, your your boxer, Richie Foster, beat Phil Sutcliffe, but Sutcliffe was selected ahead of him. And yeah. you were the one who had to go coach Sutcliffe and you were the one who had to go coach McGuigan, even though it was your club boxers, lads you put years into, who'd been kind of left in the shade by politics or whatever. But you never let us cloud the way you treated these these other boxers. And you always kind of just had a loyalty to the people and to, to everybody and to the sport. You, you weren't really picking sides, even though you had your own. And that's correct. That's right. I didn't even think of that. I thought I thought they're representing the country. So we wanted we wanted to win gold medals representing the country. You know what I mean? And that's the way I looked at it. I didn't I didn't dwell on on on, on politics at all. And Fran is Fran is a great fella because Fran is with me now. I'm with him in in the last couple of years in in St Catharines, and and there's a fantastic uh, uh, premises there. You know, well Kenny, you think was down in it as well. But but we Fran is a great fella. Martin Dolan is there as well. He boxed he boxed out of out of Drimna as well. Like so, he's there helping as well. You know, so tell it's, us, it's very good. Tell us, uh, Tony, because some of the greatest achievements for a coach they they say is to get someone young as a kid and to bring them up to you know elite level. And then even to see them go on to the Olympics or turn professional. So you trained your two brothers from the time they were they were young guys, Tommy and PJ. Tell us about them. They started in Julestown as, as two young lads, you know, and we had the honour, we boxed with Julestown, we had the honour of the three of us boxed on the one show in 1968, in, in Bettystown, it was a big show, McDowell was honoured and all the, some of the f- famous fighters, and uh, we had the honour to, to box in that. And then then um, Tommy won the title with, with Julestown, he won an Irish title, boxing with Julestown, and then he went to Phoenix. And that's where we started. We went from there, then went from there, and then up to the junior junior ranks. Went through the junior ranks, and then boxed in '74. Tommy won the senior title, and then PJ won two senior titles and a runner-up the first title, and went to the, the Moscow Olympics in 1980. You know, and I was as, as you said there a minute ago, Phil Sutliff, Mick Holmes, Huey Russell, and all. We went in Cologne in 1979. Or the European Championships and Sutliff won the bronze medal. Yeah, great days. Uh, what did it did did their success? Your brothers give you a little bit of extra joy than any other boxers' success? Oh yeah, of course they did. Of course we did. Like to win it from ten years of age, to win a senior title, like to, to win it, to win a senior title, and then representing that was always their dream. But Tommy, Tommy beat Jerry Hammond twice, and Jerry Hammond still went to the Olympics. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a bit of there's a bit of little bit of politics here and there. And Richie Foster was the senior champion. Carl Malone was the senior champion, and the same the same Britain, you know. So there was a bit of a, a bit of politics there and on and off, you know. But I didn't get involved in the politics part of it. So 
when when you were good enough, you got picked, and that was it. Like so, that maybe they had different ideas, you know. Yeah, and uh, uh, your brother PJ, you lost him a few years ago. Twenty-two years ago, he was killed in a car accident. Yeah, that knocked down with a car. He was walking home. He got knocked down. You know, so that was a bit. That was a bit disturbing. You know what I mean? So I wasn't. I wasn't well for a while after that. You know. Yeah, I wasn't. You know, I'm sure. So. I'm sure it's a call you'll never forget getting. No, I couldn't believe. It. And you know where I was when I got the phone call. There wasn't many phones that time. You know, that was 22 years ago. But I was in the stadium and I was doing the corner with a young Clancy from from uh, from. He used to come up and box with me. He was from uh, Limerick, outside Limerick, in Clare, in Clare. So he, I was doing the corner for him, for James, for James Clancy. You know. And you got and you got the call. And where did it happen? It happened in Garmistown. It happened in Garmistown. You know, we knocked down the car, but I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe it. You know, I still couldn't believe it. But uh, no, he, he, you're saying about Christy Elliott. Like he, he learned off Christy Elliott as a young fella because he is a great left hoop as well. Like and anyone in Ireland tell you that. Like he knocked out, he knocked out, stopped Joe Fenlon, and he beat the American champions and all. You know, but some of the hardest trips Kevin I was on, like with that, with. Was was in Russia, like in Russia with all with the schoolboys in Russia, with Billy McLean and myself and 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 Peter O'Donnell from Donegal, and we up at seven o'clock in the morning, you know. But but Billy got sick there and he couldn't do much, you know. But they, they, they were unbelievable trips, like training with the Russians and boxing the Russians, and still coming out nearly the second best team. We, we never got the better of the Russians. We get the better of some of them, but not them all, you know. Yeah, of course, yeah. So Tony, going back to the World Championships or Andy Lee back in um where was it again? Kev? Cuba. Cuba. You were over there with Andy, Cuba. weren't you? What? You were over in Cuba with Andy Lee when he won when he won the silver in the World I Championships. I was in Cuba with, with Michael Carruth and Dennis Galvin as well. You know, Very good. Was, uh, that, that, that was the greatest, that was one of the good best trips I ever was on with, with Andy Lee, you know. Because he beat, uh, he beat the American. He beat the American and was beaten out of the final, like, you know, but he had, he, had, he, had, he had five fights. He had five fights in six days. Like. And mm-hmm. and the, the degrees and the, there was no there was no air conditioning in the big dome, in the big dome where the boxing was, right? And it was 30 degrees. The sweat, we didn't, we had to keep him cool. When we're, Tony Dunlap and myself had to keep him cool. You didn't need to warm up because the, the, the sweat was running out of him, Kenny, you know what I mean? Yeah. But does that put the spotlight on him then when he beat the American there, Emmanuel Stewart? Oh, yeah. They shined him, yeah. Yeah, they were all after him then, you know what I mean? So they organized meeting then with him, you know what I mean? They, they knew because that fit, they, they, they were expecting that American guy to, to win that fight, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a tournament like that can, cha- can change your life. And you, you, liked, uh, you liked Cuba a lot. I suppose you could have been in a different lifetime born a Cuban. You're so into your boxing. Yeah, but I was in I was in Havana, Havana with 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 that with 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 Nicholas. I worked a lot with Nicholas when Nicholas came here, and the same as I worked with Zora Auntie as well, and Billy was to all the coaches when they went coaches, right? But uh, in in Havana, Mick Carruth, he boxed the he boxed the Cuban champion, right? The real good, I forget his name now, but he was he was fantastic, like. But Michael ran into a close decision, like if it was anywhere else, Michael Michael would have got it, you know. And and we met Castro and all. He was shaking hands with us and the whole lot. Yeah, so you met Fidel Castro. Did you get a chat with him? 
I said, yeah, we just we just shook hands with all the bottom up, but Dennis and myself and, and Michael up, just Nicholas. And we were there, I was we were training there with Nicholas as well, the way they trained, you know what I mean? They having a lot of equipment there, like but, but the, the the training was good, like, you know. Yeah, where where did the meeting take place? We were in a big college in Havana, where Nicholas okay. went to college, you know. But but uh it's hard to remember having all their fighters like that. The first, the first time, the first gold medal that that we that uh, Ireland ever won, our silver medal was with Carl Frampton in Rome. You know, two thousand and three. Like, but, but he was, he beat the Russian in the semi final, and then the, the the Turk beat him in the final. But he had nothing left for the final. But because the, the semi final took too much out of him, you know. Yeah, and we knew from then, and then he went. Then I brought him. Then a couple of years later, I, I met him. We went over to Germany to the training camp, and we let himself and Darren O'Neill. They sent me with them to 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 to, um, to a multinational tournament, and the two the, the two of the boys won two gold medals. You know. Do you get a sense when you're working with these young guys that they're gonna that they have a bit something a bit different that you know Andy Lee's going to grow up to be a world middleweight champion or Frampton's going to be a two-weight world champion do you, do, you, do you sense that there's something different or do you do you just see talent everywhere no but you could see with Andy Lee but Andy Lee was with before Andy Lee improved immensely because he was with me before and he got beaten in the European schoolboys you know or the youths you know but that, then he improved and you know, with the, the training, the, 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 the club coach has done a really good job on him as well, like, you know. Yeah. He, he was down and training with me. We were three weeks in, in the college down in Limerick, where Kenny was a few times as well. And the English were over and he, he knocked out one of the English fans one, one day, he knocked him out. And uh, the English coach went mad. He wasn't happy at all. He said we were wearing, the clubs were too small, we were wearing. It was only a sparling. He goes over it in his uh, his book, The Fighter, actually, and he he mentions you there. And I think Terry Ed- Terry Edwards was the English. Terry Edwards was right, 100% right. Yeah, yeah. Terry wasn't wasn't happy because and the guy he knocked out was European champion at the time. Like, you know what I mean? I'm trying to think of the first guy's name. His name's escaping me. I think the second guy he he got in with though was uh, your old friend Kenneth uh, Tony Jeffries. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Tony Tony is is in uh, California now. I was in his gym a few years ago. I first came on to the Irish national team in two thousand, in the year 2000. And Tony Devitt was the coach as we went to Greece for European cadets. And he's pretty much the head coach for all the underage tournaments right up until the inception of the high performance. I think our peak together was when we travelled to Cuba in 2002 for the World Juniors and Tony was... Again, the head coach with Tony Dunlop alongside him. And we had a great training camp in Limerick, which was handy for me um, in the UL. And we had the English team come over to spar with us. And one thing about Tony, he was, in some ways, he was he was ahead of his time, but he was still very much an old school coach. Didn't overcomplicate things. And would always, was able to, like, in that, way that only old school trainers could know when it was time for you to push hard and when it was time for you to ease off and when you could just peak at the right time he was an expert at doing that 
and certainly for those games in Cuba, he had me fighting and firing on all cylinders. Um, but a real, you know, I don't know how to describe him, but a stalwart or a permanent fixture in Irish boxing and um, a real, you know, an, like a national treasure within Irish boxing. And what a great contribution he's given to the country. And I, I guess, I'm not sure if he could even tell you how many medals he won as a coach um, around the world and at every level from boys to seniors. So, um, yeah, a good man and a great coach. And uh, still going to this day. So long, long way continue. Yeah. Uh- Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We had Ray Moylet on a few months ago talking about going to Guadalajara and winning the World Junior Championships. You were the coach for that one as well. Yeah, yeah. He told us that a car bomb went off down the road from the hotel. Oh yeah, in the hotel it went off. Just in the just beside the hotel it went off for the river season, like you know, that's correct. But uh, Moylet, Moylet done, but I don't know how to work with Ray Moylet for that fight because he was tight in the weight, like you know. But he he put in that extra work as well in the stadium because we were training in the stadium before we went and all that, you know. Mm. But he performed, he, he performed well. And uh, you were telling us as well that you were there for a world a world title for Joe Ward also underage. I was, yeah. I was with the Europeans. He got beaten in the European school boys in England. You know, Michael Riley, Michael Riley from Port Leash, he won the gold medal. And young McDonough from St. Mary's won the gold. And Joe was beaten on a strict decision for the gold, you know. Kenneth, when you started, when you were one of the founding boxers of the high performance unit, um, what did Ireland need to change? I think the culture was all wrong. Um, I'd come in as a 19-year-old into a, a group of lads, obviously older than me, the Reynolds brothers, James Muir. Um, and, you know, we had the mentality of trying as hard as we can, go out, represent, and win, lose, or draw. We'd let the hair down. Um, and that was the kind of culture back then. And, and it actually it suited me because I enjoyed my 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 hair letting down escapades. But... uh but the high performance was set up then that kind of was put in the back burner. It was getting very professional. Things were being put in place, strength and conditioning programs, full-time training. Uh, uh, we had a nutritionist on board and things started to kick off from then, you know, things started to get a bit more serious. Um, and I think that's what we needed. We needed that kick up the arse because when we went to Russia, 
we, we were out, we were out of, I was out of, out of joint, you know, we, we just couldn't match them in, in any department. Um, and that's exactly what we needed, but we couldn't go there straight away. Obviously we went to France first and then Germany. And then obviously then over to Russia, but it was a great set of building blocks to bring us to where we needed to be. And it took a number of years. It didn't happen overnight. And a lot of the guys that started the high performance initially, the Ian Timses, the Stephen Armands, it wasn't their cup of tea. You know, the full-time training, the setup wasn't wasn't for everybody. But the number of us that did stick around, myself, Andy Lee, Andy Murray at the time, Paul McCluskey, uh, and we stuck it out for a number of years. Um, and, and obviously, it worked out in the end for me, you know, but the high performance wasn't for everybody. The training program wasn't for everybody. Um, and, and that's okay. That's fine. But I think it was about finding talent and nurturing that talent to be the best to be the best that that person could be, um, and that took time, that took commitment, that took dedication, and a, and a lot of good coaching, um, and that's that was the high performance. Uh, around that time, Tony, what what was your view on the the formation of the unit? Did you feel it was necessary? No, I, I thought it was I thought it was brilliant. It's Kenny said it's brilliant because, and then the the organised Gary Keegan and Billy Walsh on that uh, round robin tournaments in the stadium which was fantastic with, with different countries, you know. That, that, was, that was some of the secrets, I think, you know, because you were getting, you were guaranteed three fights. You know, you're guaranteed three fights. You won one fight around, Robin, so you, you lost one, you got two more. Like. So it, it, it was a brilliant idea, I thought. Like, you know, you brought the young lads on, you got them experience to go on to the next level. But uh, as Kenny said, it was the fitness, you see. We, we weren't, we weren't as... We were we were good enough. We were as good as the Russians, but we weren't as fit because they were they were they were full time athletes, you know. And that was that was the that was the secret that, that Keegan decided to do. Like um, it, and Billy was. I thought that was the secret, you know. Mm. What would be your own guiding principles as a coach? Well, well yeah, to, to to be a good coach or to be a good boxer, you have to you have to live the life like. And to be a good coach as well, you have to show example. You know I me; mean? you can't be. You, and 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 time wise, you have to be on time, and you, you have to be there. A, coach, a, a boxer, a boxer can miss miss a session, a session, but a coach can can never miss a session because it, everything's in turmoil then. So that's that, that's the that's the secret to be a good coach. Yeah, and it's all it's for safety first as well. I believe safety is a big issue. Well, safety, I know, we know when when your boxers like you know know when. If you if you have if you have the if you're if you're in a position to pull the boxer out of a fight, that's what you should do. Like, and I and I always done that, but I, I hadn't to do it many times with because the boxers are always well prepared. Like you know, but yeah. but if you have to do that, the only you know you have to do is you have to do it. Like you know, it's a different thing with the pros. Like I I started the pros in 2000, 2015, Like you know. And we ran shows and we ran eight shows. Well, I ran three on my own and then five, five years with Boxing Ireland, eight shows then. But, but I like I liked to see all them shows, them pro shows for, for these boxers that have nothing else. Like they can't box in America, they can't box anywhere. For the shows in Ireland, they get a, a good profile in Ireland before they go anywhere, you know. What was it that made you enter professional boxing? Because, um, you know, you'd been doing at that stage. You've been. Oh, sorry, Kenneth's got to go. Yeah, that's that's cool, Kenneth. I'll see you later. Thank you. Sorry about that, lads. Listen, thanks a million, Tony. Talk to you soon in the, on the circuit. Yeah. Lovely, good man, Kenny. Thanks a lot.
Kenneth just had to leave us there. He he didn't decide to go into the professional game because maybe he was a bit long in the tooth when the opportunity came. But it, it didn't it didn't bother you, Tony. You, you decided to to enter the scene. And what was it that um what was it that either forced your hand or cajoled you into it? I don't really, I don't really know. Like I, I finished up, I finished up. I was thirteen years in gym, and I finished up a gym, and like you know what I mean. And I know nothing. I just finished up. I got sick at the time, you know. And then when I got over the sickness, I said, "Ah, I didn't, you know." But uh, as I, as I, as I said, yeah, I was thirteen years in gym with Austin Carruth and Fagel Carruth and Michael Carruth and all them. They were all there at the time, like. But uh, I, I think I had my time done, like you know what. So I decided maybe to give the pros a bit of a go because I had a few lads interested to sign up with me, you know. So that's what I done. I ran, I ran, we ran eight shows. I ran five with Boxing Ireland, Leonard Gunny and Stephen Sharp, you know, and uh, three on my own and uh, in the Red Cow. And they were all good success. And that was from 2015 to 2018, you know. Yeah, I was at most of them. They They were good. They were good shows. Unnecessary, well, you know, nothing else going on as well. Yeah, but I, I can't understand why we can't do that again. Like, just, you know, people said, you know, I, I think they should do that again, you know. You know the, lads, yeah. the lads generally point to the cost of insurance. Um, it's prohibitive, you know, they can't afford, the, the quotes have gone up and effectively the bottom line that, is, is just completely gone. That's correct. That's correct. It's, it's gone through the roof, you know, it's gone through the roof, like, you know what I mean? But, but there's a lot of young lads there, there's a lot of young lads there now and, the way things are, you know, they're no profile. You can't, you know, where can they get a following? They won't get a following to go to England. Like, they have no following. Yeah. You know? you've, been, you've been a big supporter of pro boxing. Like, the, have you generally with the boxers that you've worked with as as amateurs, when you see them, you know, progress to the professional ranks, the ranks, do you tend to follow them then as professionals? And and by that, I mean, actually go to their fights. Like, did you travel to see Wayne McCullough's fights or uh, Michael Carruth's fights abroad or? No, I, I didn't really because I was really busy at him and working on that. But I, I went to Cadiz, a lot of Cadiz mm. fights. I went to the Yard Hall, the Cadiz. I went to, to, um, to, to Manchester and I, I went to a lot of Cadiz fights, you know. And I went I went to see, um, to New York to see um, Dennis Hogan. I went to New York to see Dennis Hogan and, 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 and a few more fights, you know. I went to see James Moore in New York, you know, and I went... Uh, the big fights, you know, and, and Belfast as well. I went to see McGuigan. I never stopped going to see McGuigan because PJ was boxing that time, and that's what that's the way he used to go because he used to be on the shows with McGuigan, you know. Yeah, you were at uh, Loftus Hall for McGuigan's world title fight against uh, Eusebio Pedrosa in nineteen eighty five. Yeah, I was at Loftus Hall. I went over on the boat with all the whole the crew with 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 all the McGuigans and 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 Dermot McGuigan McGuigan Barry's Barry's brother was a good friend of mine, you know. So that, that was that, that was a fantastic night, like you know. Yeah, famous one. Yeah, and I'm sure your nine your nine trips to the Olympics brought you to some of the most interesting places in the world. Which one stands out as being the most memorable one? I, I suppose any of them that, that Jimmy McGee was at. Oh yeah, that that, that was yeah. But it, we 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 used to sit. That was that was China. China was good, like you know. But we used to sit out in the sun. Having a coffee, me and me and Jimmy, and talking about it now every day, like and Jimmy, Jimmy talked for Ireland, you know. But it was it was fantastic, like it's great memories, you know. Have you but, have you many more ambitions left in boxing? I keep going as long as I can, Kevin. 
But I, I, I forgot about Carl Fronten. I love going to Carl Fronten's fights. I went to a lot of his fights in Belfast as well, you know. Mm. And, 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 and when, when he was boxing, I didn't go to America now, but I went to Belfast. There was, there was fights and a lot of Magali's fights and all in, in Belfast. Uh, which, which fighter uh, did, that you worked with kind of didn't have a, a, didn't have an abundance of natural talent, but surpassed himself in terms of the success that he gained through maybe just sheer effort? And was that like, do any come to mind? Well, well, Jim, Jim Rock, Jim Rock was, Jim Rock had done well, but he didn't win the world. But Jim, Jim was, was, was good, like, you know, but his determination had gone so far, like, starting off, Stevie Collins hadn't that much talent either, you know, but he, as I said earlier on there, he, he was unbelievable training, unbelievable heart, like, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what, I trained out of Pascal Collins' gym there, and, and since I started the pros, like, and I have great time for Pascal Collins, you know. He looks after me well and he, he looks after me fighters well in training, you know. So I, I'm there since 2005, or 15, sorry, 2015, since we started there. Like So we trained there with Pascal and Pascal boxed with me as an amateur as well. Like. And so did all the Collinses. Roddy Collins, you know that Roddy does the commentary or the, just for the, the star of Amunda there on the football. But he, he boxed with me in Phoenix as well, like. He wasn't bad, Roddy, you know. Could he have been a contender, Roddy? Well, Roddy, well, he, well I say he would have won, could have won a title. He was big and he was strong. He could have won, but he, he was more into the football, you know. When he was he was training with us, like, probably get fit of him because he was playing the football at that time, you know. Yeah. Get, get fit because it's good training for football, you know. Just before we go, uh, Tony, you were acknowledged in 2020 for services to boxing by the IBA. It must have been a proud moment. You half century in boxing at that stage. Oh, that was that was yeah, two years ago. That was that was brilliant, you know. That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I was very, very happy, very happy to get that. You know what I mean? The IABA honored me, and that, that was nice, you know. What was the night like? Oh, it was brilliant, yeah. The, 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 the missus, the, the miss Mary was with me, you know, and they said we we thought you never you weren't married, you know. We never seen her over the last thirty years, you know. But uh, that, that was that was that was the crack, you know. I suppose in order to be so dedicated to boxing, you have to have almost like a boxing widow at home, someone who's supportive of your your passion for the sport. You, you need that because otherwise you, it'll be very difficult to indulge in your passion. Yeah, yeah. Before you go there, before you go, my daughter, as you know, she played rugby for Ireland, right? But she started, she was photographs and she started with Katie Taylor. She was she's been a little bit older than Katie, but but I brought her into boxing because and she had a good few fights. And she, and she won them, you know, and she done Taekwondo as well. Like, but then she went to the rugby. I wanted her to do boxing, but no, she took her love with, 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 with rugby instead of boxing, you know? Yeah. Um, she, Tony, I, when are you writing the book? I don't know. You, you're writing for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe. An offer I can't refuse. Well, look, Tony Davis, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to be joined by you today on Rocky Road Rewind. Uh, I can't wait for people to hear your episode. So thank you very much. Thanks very much, Kevin. And thanks for the chance to get on your show. Hey, I'm Sinead Kavanagh, Tony Davids, five-time Irish female champion. Uh, we've seen so many uh, seats together, Tony. And some stories ain't for the faint-hearted. Uh, you've taught me the, the art of boxing. And Tony, you will always have a place in my heart. I love you always, Tony. Thank you. Eric Donovan here. 
Ah, Tony David. Oh, what can I say? Uh, Tony is probably one of my... Um, he's one of the coaches who I have the earliest memories of in boxing, uh, especially from squad training and training camps within Ireland. Um, I remember going to Gormanstown as a youngster, 13, 14 years of age, spending a week down there in the summer holidays. It was a kind of a boxing summer camp and it was the first time I... Uh, uh, was introduced to uh, and became aware of of the the great Nicholas Cruz and Tony was like a sidekick for Nicholas Cruz and almost like uh, an interpreter as well. But uh, Tony used to add the sound effects to uh, to Nicholas's uh, instruction. So Nicholas might say something like, "Okay, boys, one, two, and then Tony would come in and say, "Right, lads, one, two, Bing, Bing, Bing," <laughs> and Tony would add a. So his nickname was uh, Bing, Bing. You know, so if, uh, we we used to kind of joke in the camp, Bing, 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 Bing. Yeah, you know that was Tony David. It was brilliant. But uh, I was lucky enough then to spend a couple of or to go on a couple of trips with him across uh, across the world, across Europe. Uh, we had a great one in the Czech Republic when I beat the. Russian um, world junior champion, Ignatiev, and uh, Maxim Ignatiev, I think his name was, and uh, Tony done my corner with Jimmy Halpin, and uh, yeah, beat the, beat the Russian world junior champion, and uh, we always talk about that, every time I meet Tony, he goes, do you remember we got the Russian, we got the Russian, you know, I's, he's just a great boxing person, great heart, great man, he's given his whole life to the sport, and um, we're very lucky to have him, what a wonderful man, it's great to know him. I'd like to say to Tony Davitt, a long time in boxing, a friend for a long, long time. He had a great career. He was in one of my corners in the European Championships. He's been around as long as that and a very good coach. And I wish him all the best for the rest of his days in boxing from Phil Sutliff. Uh, Tommy McCarthy here, European Cruiserweight champion. Um, the first met Tony when I was 14 after winning the boy for all Ireland, that was my first national title and the first squad training after he won the championships was in Drimna and that was Tony was running the club at the time and everyone on the team had won at least one Irish title before but this was my first one so everyone, all the lads all kind of knew each other and I didn't know anyone but Tony never made me feel weird and he was dead welcoming and Wednesday just got on with each other and I liked him and he liked me. Throughout my whole underage international career, Tony went on every trip, I think, either as a manager or as a coach. And when we used to go to training camps with him in Germany or anywhere in the world, he used to come and get you up at like half five, six in the morning, every morning. It used to fucking kill me, just banging the door. Up lads, up lads, boom, 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 up, 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 and make you go for a walk. For and I used to go like, why is he making us walk? Cause you go ahead for the walk. I'll wake you up, lads, wake you up. You go for a walk and then you go back to the room, go back to bed. And um, he used to just have you walking around whatever city you're in. Shadow boxing, walk backwards, lads. Let's go. Lads. Same hand, same foot, lads. We're looking back now, it was, it's funny to talk about. We always reminisce about them and anyone who was on my team in, in the underage, but at the time it was hell. And 
If you try to sleep in or try to ignore him, he just bang the door harder. Up, up, up. Get up, my cat. Get up, get up. Hello, Henry Coyle here. Here in Chicago and uh, I'm also known as the Western Warrior and the man from the land of the salty breeze. And I'm here tonight just to talk about a legend and say thanks to that legend for all he's done for me and my family and my club and for Irish boxing in general. And legends and pillars of Irish boxing come no bigger than the great Tony Javitt. Tony, thank you for everything you've done for me. You're... Your work and your dedication to Irish boxing is immeasurable and we can't and I can't thank you enough for all you've done for me. From your years in the Phoenix Boxing Club to your years with Drimna, I went to Dublin my first time ever as an 11 year old and met this guy Tony Davis and I knew he had Mayo connections and Irish connections and Belmullet connections as people moved to Meath when people from the West moved to Meath. And we got to know one another and I was honoured to attend his camps. Well, his camps that he organised in Gormanstown. Uh, camps that were boxers from the 32 counties of Ireland took part in. And I was honoured to be there and train with them. And train with in Westport with the Irish senior team in 2002. And, you know, Tony... Legend is thrown out there all the time, but you are a pillar of Irish boxing and thank you for all you've done. And you, without doubt, have given the gift of giving, giving your time. If you only got a euro for every minute you gave to boxing in the last 40 years, Tony, I would imagine you'd be a very wealthy man. But thank you very much and I'm, you helped you helped get the high performance unit going and it's unknown the amount of fighters you have helped the length and breadth of Ireland in the 32 counties but they say behind every great man is a great woman and I have absolutely no doubt your wife Mary is an absolute lady to put up with you because you lived with us in Dublin you trained with us in Dublin you trained with us down the west you went on trips, you brought boxers all over the world, you went to Israel, you know, Tony, it's unknown what you have done for boxing and your work is immeasurable and thank you very much and just good health to you and your family and your daughter is also a legend of Irish sport and she's represented Ireland very well on the rugby field. But thank you for all the coaching you gave me and all the coaching you gave coaches and you're from a fighting family. Your brother was an Olympian. Tony, good health and good luck. And keep it lit. And thank you very much. It's uh, Leonard Gunning, uh, boxing manager and promoter from Boxing Ireland Promotions. Uh, the first time I ever met Tony um, was in a, in, a, in a hotel room in, uh, in New York. Tony had put on a number of shows in the... Uh, Red Cow Inn in Dublin in 2015. And I was looking to put on a show in the uh, National Stadium in uh, 2017. So a mutual friend brought us together and said, I think you two guys should should work together. I think you, should, you could do something really good. So we've been speaking on the phone and we were both going to the Michael Conlon debut in Madison Square Garden on uh, St. Patrick's Day 2017 and we decided to uh, 
made up and finalise the deal. So Tony always likes to get his wife Mary to uh, give the, the seal of approval on anyone that he, he's going to do business with. So I rocked up to, the, uh, to his hotel in uh, Fifth Avenue in New York and we sat down for an hour and went through all the details about how we'd put on a show and who'd look after this and who'd cover that and what happens if this happened. And we went through absolutely everything and the two of us at the end just shook each other's hand and uh, two months later we uh, put on the uh, the biggest show ever in the uh, National Stadium in terms of number of fights, 15 fights. And he was showcasing fighters he looks after like Crank Whitehouse and Shorty Carl, John Joyce and like I say, we were headlining Eric Donovan in it, so it worked perfectly together. The two of us came away, you know, we didn't make much money, but we uh, we worked well together and we our objective our our objective was uh, was sailed, you know, and we knew that going forward we could have a, a partnership together and over the next couple of years we put on over five shows in Dublin, uh, some great nights, some great fights. Um, it's great atmospheres and there was never a crossword between us which is uh, can often be unusual in boxing where you get so many stories about people double crossing each other and that kind of stuff especially when money comes into play but there's never a, there's never been a, a sleeving act from Tony you can always rely on his word being his bond uh, you know lots of people come and they go uh, from professional boxing they don't always leave with the best of reputations but you, you know when you're dealing with Tony David you know like I say his word is his bond that's as a promoter as a manager and a trainer and he looks after the guys that he trains um, like like they're his sons you know and his wealth of knowledge is is second to none and I have no hesitation in sending any of the fighters that I manage up to his gym and I know they'll be well looked after and well skilled. Uh, great guy and a great man to spend time with, especially sitting down listening to all the stories. Great fella. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 